That kind of feels like it should almost be our theme song as Grace Church, doesn't it? Oh, your grace so free washes over me. That's when death was arrested in my life began. Wow. I don't know about you, but I felt that this morning. And I felt my need of grace washing over me and cleansing me from all our sin. And that's what happens when we believe in Jesus, right? And that's what we're about here at Grace Church. If you've just joined us in the last few moments walking through, this is who we are. We are Grace Church, and we believe that we exist to help people move one step closer to Jesus. And that is why we are here, to help each other do that this morning. So if you look in your, uh, if you have a Bible with you, you can turn to Psalm 127. If you have a song sheet and maybe don't have your Bible, you'll find that right here, Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. That's where we'll be headed this morning. Every human awakes each day with things to do. You awoke this morning with things to do. It doesn't matter whether you are young or old, rich or poor, male or female, whatever ethnicity you are. Every human is faced with the reality of labor. And labor, despite what some of you may think, is not a bad thing. It was there at the very beginning of everything, including planet Earth and a garden named Eden upon planet Earth. For there, God placed the first man and the first woman, and he told them to labor. He commissioned them to work, to build the garden, and to keep watch over the garden. Now note those two things, because we're going to see those in just a moment. To build and to keep watch. He told them to expand that little kingdom right there over the face of the entire globe and all of humanity and all of culture and cities and everything with it. It was only when the fall of man occurred and sin and death entered into the world, that our good labor became anxious toil. You see, part of the curse placed upon man for his sin was a curse on his labor. And I believe that part of how that curse works out is that it turns all of our good labors into anxious toil. A toddler is assigned the labor of cleaning up their room. And they immediately do what, parents? Fall down to the ground in a puddle, screaming, Mom, I can't! A teenage student is filled with anxiety over whether she'll be accepted by classmates as a new year and grade begin. Doesn't school begin tomorrow? I think it does. Yeah. <laughs> well, why are the parents clapping? She's filled with anxiety as a new year begins, wondering if her classmates will mock her clothes or hair, if she'll have what it takes for the class load she'll need to labor in. Her mom is anxious about her daughter's anxiety, how she can help her navigate the labors of teen years, of raising her well, getting her prepared, providing the guidance she needs to be healthy and become a well-adjusted adult one day. Dad bears the daily anxieties of providing for the family, protecting them from the culture's harms, leading them into lives of flourishing. And what of every 
worker, anxious the job will be there tomorrow, about whether or not it will provide enough for tomorrow with all the inflation that's happening, about the presentation that is due, if the concrete on that job site can get poured before the rains pour down, if you'll be able to keep all those customers happy at far too many tables that you have to wait on because there's a labor shortage. So that, as one author said it, from time to time there settles over everyone that dark, gray, heavy cloud of anxiety that in the moment makes everything look dark and it seems so impossible to throw off. And it can cause us at times to think that a life of joyful and peaceful and fruitful labor is out of reach. But there is good news, friends. For while the curse on our labor is still present in this age, and it always threatens to turn our good labor into anxious toil, I believe that God's power and wisdom are also still present and operating in this age. You see, God created this world with wisdom inside of it. I remember I've got this good friend, I think maybe I've shared this with you before, who's a woodworker, and he talks about working with the grain of the wood. And God created this world just like he created every piece of wood. He created it with a grain of wisdom that is inside of this world. And when we operate with that grain of wisdom, things go really well. But when we cut against the grain in our living, we often find that things do not go well at all. And it is so great that God gives us in his word a very clear pathway of wisdom so that we know how to live as humans. There is in the Bible an alternative way of being human to being anxious about all of our labor. One of the places this is highlighted is in this wisdom poem before us. It's there in the handout you received. Psalm 127 verses 1 and 2. If Yahweh will not build the house, in emptiness they labor, the ones who build it. If Yahweh will not keep the city, in emptiness watches the one who keeps. Emptiness for you, getting up early and staying up late, eating the bread of anxious toil. For Yahweh provides for his beloved while he sleeps. This is the word of God. And here's what we're going to discover in this word from God this morning. Three things. The emptiness of godless labor, the emptiness of anxious toil, and the fullness of good labor. So, as we enter into that, will you pray with me? Father, would you now let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart and my labor here this morning be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Yes, and very amen. In Jesus' name. Now, before we can even have the capacity for an alternative way of being human, we have to be made new humans. You see, God's saving labor has to come before our good labors. It's nestled there right in Psalm 127, verse 2, the second half. For Yahweh provides for his beloved while he sleeps. So, Friend, while it is true that God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life, it is only by believing in Jesus that you become his beloved. 
And when you believe, you become part of his people, part of his family, for whom he will then richly provide. And the remarkable thing about this is that belief and adoption and salvation, these are works that you cannot do and is a work that only he can do. We are not saved and made beloved by our good labor, but by his free gift made possible by the labor of his son, Jesus. Ephesians 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good labors that we have done, so none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. Do you see what that passage from Paul is telling you? God took you, you were a bad work, and God took you and placed you on his work table and crafted you and made you beautiful, made you his beloved, so that being made good and perfect and beautiful you could then now enter in to the good labors that he calls you to. Paul goes on to say, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good labors that he planned for us long ago. Isn't that amazing? God has labor planned for you for today. He has a to-do list that he's got all put together that he means to help you complete. I think that's amazing. One author says it this way. Our good labors are never at the front end, but they are most certainly at the back end. Labor is not a curse. It remains a gift from a gracious God. But we have to get the order right. His grace makes us his beloved, and that salvation leads to good labor, the kind of labor that then leads to joyful and peaceful and fruitfulness in this life. And we ought not to limit that, okay? Sometimes I think as Christians and in the church, we think that there are like, when the Bible says good labors, that maybe, maybe you think like that's what I'm doing right now, or it's some Christian kind of work for charity. Or it's, no, the good labors that he has created for you to do are whatever he has called you to do, whether that means you're a baker or a rancher or a farmer or a cashier or an accountant or a business owner or a window washer or a mom or a teacher. Those are the good labors that he has created for you to do. And he takes great delight when you do them well for his glory. And he means to help you in it. This is how it should be. That because of Jesus, by faith alone in Jesus, we become the beloved of the Father, and he completes his labor of making us new creations, empowering us for an alternative way of being human so that we can now do good works, good labors that are filled with joy and filled with peace and are fruitful for the world. That's step one in the labor that we're being called to in this psalm, believing in Jesus so all that can happen. And if you haven't done that, if you haven't believed in Jesus, the rest of this just won't make sense. So I hope that if you don't believe in Jesus now, right here this morning, you will believe in him today. But now we have to turn ourselves to this question. If, how is it that we, as the beloved, as Christian humans, filled with the spirit of Christ, 
can still fall prey to anxious toil. How is it that, anybody get anxious in your work? Anybody? Nobody? Come on, y'all are lying. Y'all, we all worry and get anxious and feel stressed out about what we have to do. Here's the first thing that I think Solomon wants us to remember is that God's beloved ought not to enter into their labors with anxiety. And then he shows us how to do that. Because one thing, don't you hate when people say, don't worry. Don't worry. You know, you tell them, you like, you unload, like why you're anxious. And they go, hey, don't do that. Instead of showing you how, Solomon shows us how. If Yahweh will not build the house, in emptiness they labor, the ones who are building. If Yahweh will not keep the city, in emptiness watches the one who seeks to keep the city. In other words, any labor, such as the most fundamental of labor, right? Like building a house where you can live and be safe, or keeping a city secure, any labor that is done without an understanding that its achievement and fulfilling enjoyment of it depend decisively on God, any labor done not with that understanding, he is saying, is empty. Empty of meaning and joy and peace and will likely, therefore, only be carried out anxiously. Because, friends, this is where anxiety springs from. See, as humans, I, I do this all the time. I, go, I was doing it this morning. I go into my labor depending on me, right? And, and I know me. I know that I am frail. I know that I am weak. I know that I'm easily distracted. I know all of my own weaknesses, just like you know all of your own weaknesses when you look in the mirror. And so when you depend on yourself to get things done rightly, you see all those weaknesses and anxiety springs up, right? Because you see lack. We aren't trusting in God in that place to do the work and bring about what he will in the work. Instead of just doing our best with what we have, when we have it, and leaving the outcome to him, we are tempted to take it all on ourselves, and what could be good labor turns into anxious toil. So how does recognizing that Yahweh will provide for his beloved by being in the work help us overcome our anxiety and give us an alternative way of being human? Okay, follow me now. Listen closely. If our highest efforts, the best we can do right now, with the energy we have right now, with the resources that we have, as the person that God has made us uniquely to be, if our highest efforts are only empty without God's labor on our behalf, then the success or failure of whatever we are laboring at lies ultimately on Him and not on us. That is what the wisest man of all time named Solomon is telling us. What matters in our labor is whether or not we are trusting that Yahweh is in our labor, whatever that labor is. Isn't that what Jim read? Remain in me, abide in me, and you will bear much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. Absolutely nothing. But with him, what can you do? 
The scriptures also tell us that all things are possible with God. Here's what Solomon and I with him want to do. You see, so often I think we go into life, dear friends, and we put so many expectations on ourselves. And maybe you're wired like me. I, I have so many expectations, so many thoughts and desires every day, every week, every month, what things should look like, how they should turn out. We put all of these expectations on ourselves. And we, and we depend on, on only ourselves to somehow make all of those things come true and come to be. But God wants to lift all of those expectations and, and for you to live a life of expectancy. Of expectancy. Here's another thing. When we do our best while trusting in God, God is pleased with our labor, whatever the outcome. When we do our best, depending on God, God is pleased with whatever we have done, regardless of the outcome. Do you hear that? I grew, up, I grew up in a loving home, and I remember that this is how my dad was with me. He would tell me, if I worked my tail off at school, in a class, did everything I could, and I got a C, he would be happy with me. But if I was lazy and didn't put forth the effort that he knew I was capable of and only got a B, then I heard it from him because I hadn't acted the way that I could. And our Heavenly Father is the same way. Work hard, depend on him. You will still be his beloved regardless of the outcome. Even the disappointments and frustrations and reversals can be embraced if you know and trust and believe that. But there's one more way, one final thing, that we can do to enter into good labor instead of anxious toil. And we find it in verse 2. This verse has been one that I've held on to for a couple of decades, even though it hasn't always worked out itself in my, in my life perfectly. I've always taken comfort from the fact that in my humanity, a loving father provides sleep for his beloved. Verse 2 in the English Standard Version. It is in vain that you rise early, and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil. For he gives to his beloved sleep. That's how, that's how I've always understood the verse. God gives us the good gift of sleep. He wants us to sleep and desires that we rest. But as happens just about every Sunday, when I'm looking at a text this past week, I've seen something I've never seen before in verse 2. You see, the original language of this proverb that Solomon gives to us in verse 2 can actually be translated a couple of different ways in Hebrew. In the ESV and a number of other translations, we read, Yahweh gives to his beloved sleep. But it could also be understood to say it this way, like in the NASB. Yahweh provides for his beloved while he sleeps. Uh, let me show you the difference. The first communicates that Yahweh gives to his beloved the gift of rest while he's snoozing. The second implies that while the person is sleeping, God is busily doing all kinds of labor for him or her. And here's why I now think that the second option is actually what Solomon 
means because I think it's been his point all along. He's been laboring to get us to see that an anxiety-free life of labor is rooted in trusting Yahweh is working with you. That that's the reality of wisdom that's wired into the world. That God is the one laboring actually with us in our labor. So now this truth, God labors, he provides even as we sleep. It says in Psalm 121 verse 4, He who keeps Israel, keeps him, will neither slumber nor sleep. So, what if we believed that Yahweh was working with us and for us? And what if we trusted him in all our labors? And what if we believed that he went on laboring and keeping and providing for us even when we completely stopped, <laughs> when we're unconscious, sleeping? Wouldn't that kind of sleep be an absolute declaration of our trust and belief and dependence on God. So, instead of staying up late and getting up early, burning the proverbial candle at both ends, God is saying, go to bed. Go to bed already. Stop. Sleep. Because while you sleep, I'll keep working. John Piper says it this way, the incentive is this. Listen to this. This is so good. God can perform more good for those who trust him while they sleep than they can perform with anxious labor for themselves while awake. God can perform more good for those who trust him while they sleep than they can perform more than they can perform with anxious labor while awake. Can you think of a better reason to not rise up early and Go late to bed eating the bread of anxious toil than to know that your Father who loves you is providing for you. In other words, His working for you while you sleep ensures, wouldn't that ensure that you would get good sleep if you actually believed these things and trusted these things? Again, John Piper says it this way, sleep is a terribly humbling experience. It is a universal reminder to the human race that we are not gods and we are not God. We are so frail that we have to become helpless and unconscious and weak every day in order to even live at all. And has not God said, my power is made perfect in weakness? If that is true, then surely we may believe this psalm that when we hand over our anxieties to God, right, cast your burdens on the Lord and he will sustain you and then lay our heads down in peace that God will labor with all his might through the night on our behalf and that he can bring about a turn of events or attitudes that bring great blessing and he does it all while we're asleep. Our country, our city, and our small town alike is made up of humans who have been raised in a culture that is supremely and fiercely independent. People who believe that we can do anything and we can largely do it on our own, even should do it on our own, with a willingness to sacrifice just about anything, even our sleep, in order to get it done. And this text confronts all of that. 
It confronts us in the emptiness of our godless labor and our anxious toil. And it points us to a wiser, better, more joyful, alternative way of being human. It holds out the possibility for the fullness of good labor instead of anxious toil. All flowing from a people who are trusting in Yahweh to build and watch and labor with us as his beloved rather than giving ourselves to the emptiness of anxious toil. Worship team, would you come up? I was reading one of my favorite authors to some friends the other night. We had a game night, and this is from a selection of his essays that actually talk a lot about living along the grain of the wisdom of God in this world. And I've adjusted it just slightly to our study this morning. Here's what he had to say. Most of living is just doing small things as faithfully as possible. It involves a lot of deja vu all over again, right? The same things day after day. The challenge is not to rise above the ordinary routines, but to find the holiness inside of them. It is to trust for Jesus to do what only he can do. Few things are more dangerous for people than expectations, not only because they set us up for disappointment, but also because they are actually veiled attempts at controlling the future. That's what my to-do list becomes. I have to remind myself every day, only God gets his to-do list done. Our lives belong wholly to God. And who can know the plans of the holy for us? So rather than expectations, I've learned to maintain expectancy, which is a sense of awe at the divine human encounter that is breaking in on everything that we call ordinary and routine. All of our labors... The encounter is not always apparent to us, which is why we need God to help us see the sacred subtext to our lives. To trust that he's right alongside of us in every single labor we set our hands to. Friends, if we would think about it for a second, we would understand that all of our labors are infinitesimal compared to what God is already doing. Anyway, isn't it amazing how some things that we're doing can feel so blooming important and he's just, he's working in the entire universe. It's just teeny little labors. Will we trust that he can help us in these teeny little things so that we won't worry about them since he tells us not to worry about them? I end with Paul. So my dear brothers and sisters, Be strong and immovable. Always labor enthusiastically for Jesus. For you know that in Jesus, your labor is not useless or empty. Amen.